Welcome to another episode of Unprofessional. It's the show where we talk to outstanding people about anything but work. <laughs> That's Dave giggling in the background. How are you, Dave? I'm very well, Jamie. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well. I'm Jamie Newberry, and we have we have another outstanding guest with us today, Dave. It's a long pause you put it's in there. Super, you know, it's because you have to really put emphasis on outstanding. Yeah, well, that suggests that like maybe he's standing outside. Like there's a booth that we're nope. in, and we're making him wait outside. Outstanding. Before... Yeah. <laughs> do you want to know who it is? I do. All right. All right, Dean, you have to bear with me if I say your name incorrectly, but I'm going to say it. Dean Sabatino is with us today. How are you, That's, Dean? I'm great. That's pretty good. Sab- Sabatino, yep. Sabatino. Good Italian name. All right. So so there we have it. And I would, I guess, like to let you introduce, you know, for those of you who may not be familiar with Dean, who Dean is, let Dean say a few words about himself. For the folks out there who don't already know, explain yourself. Okay, uh, I'm probably most well known as a drummer for a punk rock band called the Dead Milkmen, and uh, we're from Philadelphia, and we've been uh, playing together, uh, mostly on a little bit off in the mid '90s to early aughts, um, for about almost well 30 years now. So, uh, which is so rad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I have to just jump in immediately. Were you done? I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. No, I was done. I'm done. I'm I'm so excited. I'm like a giddy fangirl here because the the Dead Milkman was actually like my first official conference. Con, uh, sorry, concert. I keep saying conference. I'm in conference mode. Um, my first official concert was the Dead Milkman in Reno, Nevada. Oh, a yeah, I remember. really yeah. long time ago. <laughs> like, yes. I think I was still so like the Dead Milkman is is sort of like a teenage years defining band for me. Oh, that um, show, that <laughs> show in Reno. Yeah, I remember it well. Well, we've only uh, ever played Reno once. We played Las Vegas just once as well. See, really? I never saw you in yeah. Vegas, but saw the Reno show. And so, like, can I tell the story of how I ran into you, like, just last week? I think it was last week. All sure, the go ahead. Tell the story. As long as you tell the story the way you told me, because it's the your enthusiasm. You, you were texting me, so I, was, I, I didn't even get to hear your voice. It was just your enthusiasm. Okay, so this is my version of the story. <laughs> okay, so I'm at an event apart last week, D.C., to speak at a conference, and, you know, to speak at, at an event apart. And so the day... Just let me give you a little background. I'm at the conference and I'm sitting in the back just watching watching the conference. And I notice well, Dean uh, uh, like leaving the room at one of the breaks. And I say to my friend who's sitting next to me, like, I think that's the drummer from the Dead Milkman. And she's like, no way. And uh, incidentally, the friend sitting next to me was has been friends with me since fifth grade. So she, you know, she's familiar with the band as well. So we're equal excitement here. And um, later we're at the event party there's a little mixer party thing and I see Dean sitting at the table with Jeffrey Zeldman and so I walk up and I'm like you're the drummer from the Dead Milkman and Dean's response is you're Jamie from Unprofessional (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like no way he knows my name (laughs) like whoa so anyway mind-blowing experience mind-blowing experience for me so I'm just honored to have you on the show Dean yeah, that, thank you. That, that's I'm honored to be here. That's pretty much how it happened. 
<laughs> um, yeah, well, I, I went to the conference and uh, I've I've met uh, Jeffrey a, a couple times before, and um, and uh, when I saw that you were a speaker, I was like, yeah, I, I listened to that podcast. It'd be great to meet her and say hi and tell her how much I enjoy the podcast. And uh, uh, you know, I think he uh, made sure that uh, that we we met at the mixer there, so that was nice. That is just unreal. So I know we're not technically supposed to talk about work, and that crosses over into work and all of that. But that like we had to I had to tell the story because to me this is one of those that like never happens in real life. <laughs> yeah. Well, you told me when you told me the story, my reaction was, "He listens to the show." I know, mine too. I was like, "Wait." <laughs> yeah, I started. I've 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 started to work from home more than I used to, and I I tend to put on podcasts sometimes in the background. And uh, I think I started listening to Unprofessional back when you guys were on the Mule Network. And um, well, I've got to believe that out. And. Yeah, there was another co-host back then, and uh, you disappeared for a while, and then I rediscovered, uh, you know, the the uh, archives of the show, and then I saw that you were doing new shows, and so that, you know, I continued to listen. So it's been Woo-hoo. great. That's fantastic. It really is. Like I seriously, and sort of bizarre, <laughs> and awesome in every way. Uh, so you you listen. You, you what other shows do you listen to? Is it like tech stuff or? It's it's funny. I listen to a lot of shows where it's just a couple of people talking. Uh, uh, there's like I have to say one of my favorites is uh, Roderick on the Line. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I listen to you guys uh, up until uh, it was canceled or or ended recently. <laughs> I used to listen to Bionic. Um, so I don't know why, but those are the the podcasts I tend to gravitate towards. Interesting. I think there is something to be said for light conversation. And I've been getting more and more into watching things on YouTube. And I'm, I'm noticing there's some definite trends in how YouTube shows are produced. And there seems to be like this like Vlogbrothers style of editing that's very prevalent. And it's so, uh, it, it stands in such stark contrast to the way podcasts, at least this kind of podcast exists and is produced because it's so... I mean, this show sees a lot of editing, and I think a lot of shows like this see a lot of editing, but you don't really feel the editing the way that you do with the YouTube video. And maybe it's because of the difference in medium, but also I think there's like an energy level difference. I think so. I would so. agree with that. Yeah. Where like a YouTube video, you're supposed to keep somebody engaged for four minutes, and with a podcast, it's supposed to be like a thing that you can kind of tune in and out of over the course of an hour or so. Right. I think that some of it's like, you know, because I'm working from home now, um, I'm not in an office setting where I'm around other people. Mm. So maybe in some regards, it's kind of like there's other people in the room with me, but no you know. friends. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. That is awesome. Working from home can be. We've we've talked about that a little bit, but it can it can be um, it can be a lonely place. Yeah, it can. Somebody uh, there was a website. I'm trying to remember what it was called. I think it I think it was called like Coffee. Uh, dot com or something basically it had like an ambient recording of what they said was a coffee <laughs> shop and you could have it play in the background so you could pretend you were sitting at your local local coffee shop that's awesome um, i tried that for a while but you know it's kind of weird not really the same thing i thought about maybe working out of a coffee shop or something the the only trick there is that enough of my time is spent recording podcasts i'd love to come back home for it so whatever I do, I have to be not far from home. And thankfully, my, my friends over at the App Figures office set up a desk for me so I can just go and, and hang out there whenever I want to. 
That's, That's awesome. Cool. We yeah. did a, a last, I think it was last week or the week before, we did, uh, or they did, a team building thing. Uh, they, they did a day where everybody left work after lunch and we all went and played laser tag. And because I'm in That's the office, cool. I, don't, I don't work there, but I'm in the office, so like I, I get swept along with them and I, we go and we do laser tag for an afternoon. I'm thinking to myself, this is why people have real jobs. That's <laughs> true. I, I was tag. at a job years ago where we, we went uh, and played paintball. Oh, paintball hurts. It does hurt. And then you know who your real friends in the office are. It's true, right? <laughs> You know, you know what the, doesn't hurt is laser tag. Laser tag. When I was at the dot com way back in the web, the web dot com days, we used to do all kinds of team building activities. We used to go to Toys R Us and play on all the toys. And we did um, Santa Cruz Boardwalk and we played laser tag down there. That was one of the highlights of my memory of working in the web dot com days. I've never played laser tag. Oh, you're uh, missing out. It's it's I like it better than paintball because it doesn't hurt. It's fun. Very intense laser tag. They have well, it at Circus Circus here. Oh, circus Circus. <laughs> whiskus Whiskus. I think I told you. I think I told you the the one time I was in Las Vegas when we played. Uh, we had done sound check, and I walked across the street or down the street to Circus Circus. Oh my God. And back then, this is when you still used quarters or or coins in the in the slot machines, not like the oh right like the card readers that. they have now, but. I bought $10 of quarters, and I think I lost it in under 10 minutes. Amazing. And that was the extent of my gambling in Las Vegas. Like one of the, my gambling highlights, I don't gamble a lot, but I got a roll of nickels one time when New York, New York opened. And that was when, yeah, you played with the coins, the actual coins. And I doubled my roll of, of nickels. <laughs> I was so excited. I'm still thrilled about winning like my $2, extra $2. Doubled it. Doubled my $2. Amazing. When I was in my twenties, I would go to Vegas and I would, I would, you know, get sixty dollars worth of nickels, and that was my gambling for the the weekend or whatever. And that, that would last the whole. It's like thirty pounds worth of nickels, Dave. Well, I, I don't get it all at once, but I'd like <laughs> over the course of the thing, like I like here's my budget, sixty dollars, and I'm going to sit and play the nickel slots. And as an adult, gun to my head, I could not tell you why I ever thought that was fun. <laughs> I think it's fun. I don't know. I don't do it often, but yeah, I still I still play once in a while. We have uh, casinos in, in Atlantic City nearby, but I don't think I've ever been in to gamble. You know, I've never been to Atlantic City. Have Have you been, Dave? I I, I think it's in New Jersey. It is. Oh so, yeah. <laughs> you can get a bus down and, and and get a free meal at the at the cafeteria there, <laughs> and they'll give you ten dollars in credit. <laughs> but you have to be over sixty five, I think. Uh, I think uh, I just saw a bus ad for uh, Blue Man Group in Atlantic City. Wow. On my walk back home, Atlantic City is a weird town. I mean, it, it's like the casinos are, you know, built up and fancy and nice, and then the rest of the town is pretty run down and and scary. Well, like, like Boardwalk Laughlin. Empire. Oh, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Have you guys been to Laughlin, Nevada? I have not. Is that what the uh, the Bunny Ranch? No, that's uh, Perump, I think. <laughs> yeah, fantastic name. We have lots of fantastic names and of, of places in Nevada. Um, no, Laughlin is, um, I don't know, it's a, it's about an hour and a half, maybe a two-hour drive from Las Vegas, sort of south toward Arizona. It's right on the border of Arizona. And it's um, on the river. And there's casinos. There's like five casinos. And then, I don't know, a few houses. And that, that I don't know. That's about it. <laughs> Like it's it's really small. It sounds like Atlantic City almost. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, there's the beach, of course, in in Atlantic City, which is oh, nice. But nice. um, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Once you get away from the casinos, it's 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 just kind of depressing. <laughs> so, sounds not far off from Vegas. Mm. Hey. Yeah, you know, well, I'm just all right. kidding. I'm not there's really it's like a there's like concentric it. circles of sorts around Vegas, where uh, right outside the Strip and downtown. There's the immediate circle of super depressing, and there's like gradient yeah. concentric, uh, concentric circles after that, where you hit a certain point, and it's totally okay, and you're just in like a normal city suburbs. Suburbs, super suburban, and yeah. then outside that is where cool stuff happens, like the the immediate surrounding area where there's like Valley of Fire, and there's Red Rock, and there's Mount Charleston. There's all kinds of cool stuff like, like that. The Bunny Ranch. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> That's my favorite spot. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I yep, so, all yeah. the bunnies you can. Yeah, anyway, never mind. <laughs> Bunny uh, rabbits, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was there is actually so not to cross uh, context here, I guess, but there's a petting zoo. <laughs> there is a petting zoo <laughs> called Bunny Springs. One. Tell yeah, me more. You got to be careful about that one. Um, there's a petting zoo in Nevada, and it's um, in. If Blue I were going to open up, uh, if I were going to open up a warehouse in Nevada, I would call it the petting. zoo. The petting zoo. <laughs> That's exactly what I would call it. The petting. It's not a bad name, really, for for that. Anyway, this one's <laughs> it's called Bonnie Springs. It's a place you take your kids. They have these old Western shows. It's pretty cool. I think it's cool, in a novel I, sort of way. I lost track of what kind of petting zoo this was. Yeah, yep. This is the kind of well, never mind. Let's. I think we should shift topics now because right. I just failed miserably at falling into that one. You know what? I have a question. <laughs> Fell down as, a rabbit hole. As a drummer for a band, <laughs> are you just like, I don't know, every drummer I know is somebody who I think is super cool, but like drummers never seem to think they're cool. Have you always been cool? Or did it just happen? <laughs> <laughs> That's a serious question. It's a serious uh... question. I don't know if I've always thought I'm cool, but, um, you know, <laughs> I, Dave, I think I know you, you play music, right? Yeah, I do. That. Um, have you been in like bands or you, you just do your own thing? Uh, more or less my own thing. Now I've been in bands, but yeah, you know, it's like the band members have different personalities. If you're and lucky. I've, uh, you know, I think drummers usually get a bad rap for being sort of the, the dumb drummer type, but, um. Uh, I'm, I think I'm known as the, the most organized person in the band nice. or the most, the most responsible person in the band. I mean, I'm in charge, uh, at least now I am now that we don't, you know, now that we're not doing it full time, but, and we don't have like a, a quote unquote manager devoted full time to us or a booking agent or anything like that. But I tend to do more like the financial stuff and keep records of that kind of, uh, business type stuff. And, um, I've generally, you know, I can say that I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty organized person. So that's sort of my role in the band. Although, you know, most people say, oh, you know, it's so nice to see you back there smiling, you know, the whole time you're playing. <laughs> and, you know, it's because I'm laughing at Rodney's jokes the whole set, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, and then we have, you know, Rodney, the front man, who's kind of out there and opinionated and, get him started talking and he won't shut up. And we have the sort of aloof guitar player, Joe. Yeah. And we have a uh, bass player who joined us. Um, yeah, the new bass player. The new bass player, and who's a very talented musician, but also uh, very funny. And so it's kind of an interesting dynamic. Um, 
So you say organized, that that's kind of mind blowing because at least my experience with drummers, my last band's drummer, uh, that dude, I lived with him for a couple of years. I don't think I ever saw him not stoned. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's just the, my nature to be organized. Maybe that's, you know, I'm not going to talk about work, but you know, that's why I do web stuff and UI design and I have a design and or background in graphic design and, and whatnot, but maybe that's part of my nature, but I tend to like to keep track of things and and remind people of of the finer details that we need to pay attention to. So yeah, that's, that's cool. a that's a, a good trait. It is yeah. as as a uh, designer and musician, I <laughs> I applaud yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so creative. Try and try and keep things moving along in the right direction. Well, you said that you guys are, are doing this part time now, so I guess music isn't necessarily work talk. No, it's not really work talk. I mean, uh, yeah, we all have day jobs, but we, we, I mean, we, we did it, we did music full time, uh, from like 85 to 1995, Mm. um, roughly 10 years. Um, and I had gone to school for design before that. And so after the band kind of shut down, um, I got back into design work and then the internet came along and, uh, everything changed. Um, but then we, we sort of got to back together to make music again in uh, 2008. And so we still have our day jobs, but we do music on the side. And we've released a full, uh, full-length full album back in 2011. And we've done a couple of uh, seven-inch singles. And we have a new, actually, we have a new album coming out at the beginning of October. Hey, look at that. Sweet. Yeah, there we go. I'm, I'm, I'm promoting something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's you know it's a sideline for us, and, uh, and we don't you know we used to go on you know multi week tours, six eight week tours, or I used to say to folks that we used to do a lap around the country at least the once a like year. Places like Reno, places like <laughs> Reno, Las Vegas, Woo! any college town you can think of, we probably yeah, have played. College towns. So how do you how do you find the balance there, like doing your the the web and design things and the music and i'm sort of this is a selfish sort of question because this is a a balance i'm always struggling with it's hard i mean you know we don't tour anymore we'll go out for like a three-day or four-day weekend and play three or four shows but we can't do extended touring and you know we, we rehearse when we're in you know getting ready to play shows mode we'll probably rehearse for a couple of weeks two nights a week um and you know things are a lot easier now than they used to be in terms of like songwriting and i mean everybody's got a computer at home now and and recording software and all that kind of stuff um it's it's nice to hear a, a drummer saying nice things about that and <laughs> not dave Grohl bitching about it yeah yeah i mean i mean we all have home studios we all write we all i think it allows us all to like participate more which is kind of cool we all write the music together more than we used to and um you know bring interesting hopefully interesting things to the band so i think it's kind of a you know it's all it's a great sideline or a, you know a, a, a hobby i guess for all of us now and it brings in a little income i mean we're not getting rich or anything but you know it, it's a it's a nice side income i was talking to uh, a girl recently and she was Ooh. asking about the music thing and, and don't don't do the <laughs> yet wait, wait till you hear uh, she was asking me about the music thing and I said that, you know, I, I've been a musician for about 20 years or something and I, I've been in bands and right now mostly what I'm working on is like recording demos and she's like, well, demos for what? <laughs> I'm like, well, demos of the song. She's like, so you mean like 
like 30 seconds of the song and not the whole thing. I'm like, well, no, you, you record the whole song, but it's like a demo version. You're not in a, like a, a full studio with the producer and engineers and stuff. You're just kind of getting the song down on paper, as it were. And she's like, but why? <laughs> what is like, the end so you goal? can go get a record contract? I'm like, well, you don't really do that anymore. Like, you can just do these things yourself. She's like, well, I don't get why you'd bother recording them. I'm like, yeah. well, you, you got to understand, like, maybe, maybe for some people you just like making things and the act of making them is, and then having the thing you made is the reason to do it. Wow. Yes. <laughs> so, so that conversation went well. <laughs> yeah. No, I, you know, I think it's very important. I mean, certain things that we've recorded at home have turned into real things that have ended up on releases or whatever. But you're right. It's like, it's important to get, it's like taking notes, you know, it's like when I get to the real studio, we're going to do this, this and this. And um, you know, or, you know, you, you don't have the the complete array of fancy tools that a recording studio has that you at home at your disposal. But I mean, you've got more experience with, with this than I do, but it seems like if you were to approach every songwriting session as, okay, well, these are going to be the hits and these are the ones that we need to focus on. It, like, that just seems like such a, a cynical approach. I mean, right. There are people out there who do that. There are some people that do that or there, there, I mean, there are still people I think that go into the recording studio without a piece of you know, a note of music written and they like, okay, we've got time here. Let's just make up songs on the spot. I don't know how anybody can do that, but, um, we've never done that. It's too much pressure. We, we go into the studio very well rehearsed. We've played the songs many times, worked out the arrangements, you know, recorded rehearsals, even given them to, uh, well, we don't, we haven't really used a producer since we got back together, but we've used a, the same engineer. So he kind of knows how we work and we like the way he works. So um, it's, you know, and I think you alluded to it. We, it's, it's, there's a whole aspect of do it yourself to making music these days. Um, well, it seems more... like almost anything. Maybe if you're a doctor, don't do that. But... <laughs> yeah, <right>. Brain <laughs> don't surgery. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't, don't just learn that on your own in your spare time and, and dick around with it. But if for like, especially any kind of creative endeavor, I, you said you'd gone to school for design. I mean, I, I didn't, I just sort of, uh, I had a knack for it. I picked it up and over time I've, I've developed it into something, but it's, I've, I do it because I love it. Not because it was, uh, like some preordained, like a decision that I made early on in life and now I'm sticking with it or anything like that. Right. And so much of these things, it seems like if you just, if you like the idea of doing a thing, you can kind of just like figure it out. You're not gonna be good on day one, but you could, you can go do it. Right. If you really want to do it, there's resources out there to learn and and figure it out. Maybe we can be doctors. I have a friend who's a comedian, and uh, at one point I was saying that I, I'd love to try that. I'd love to, I'd love to try doing stand-up. And the reaction, not from him, because I think he understood, but from other people around us, was like, oh, you think you can just go do his job? <laughs> like, he's only been doing this for two years, so apparently at some point he thought he could. <laughs> like, why is yeah. that such a bad thing? I don't think that... Interestingly, I thought that you would be good at that many times in the past, actually, Dave. You should try it. But yeah, that's funny that, you know, um, it's funny the mindset to think that you can't try something, I guess. That mindset always surprises me, I guess. It's like, well, why not? Yeah. I mean, you guys both do, like, Jamie, you were at the conference, and Dave, you, you speak at conferences too, right? Yeah. It's like, I don't think I could do that. I mean, it's, I mean, I can get up and, and perform on stage for an hour, but I'm behind a drum kit and working with other people. But I, I don't know if I could get up there 
by myself and do do that it seems very strange and alien to me well see <laughs> before i started doing this my thought process was i don't think i could do that but i'm gonna try yeah it I looks like fun same. yeah <laughs> i was like that's terrifying i want to try it <laughs> yeah i don't know those things are scary see me doing doing what you do dean and the music thing is actually a little more daunting i'm i'm going to attempt to play bass with James Dempsey and the Breakpoints at the Las Vegas Coco Comp upcoming. And, um, nice. So I haven't played a bass. I played a bass very little when I was like 15 years old, and I really haven't played <laughs> much since then. But I'm practicing, and I'm trying to get a little better. But um, we'll Getting see how that goes. calluses on your fingers. Yeah, but I have to say, like, standing up there and actually, like, playing something where the mistakes are very noticeable and... You know, I don't know. That That's more daunting to me. I, I'm actually I'm you know terrified. What? If it makes you feel any better, nobody's listening to the bass player. That's good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, uh, the, no, nobody notices. It's going to be fine. The, the thing about bass players is you only really notice if they're really bad or really good. Uh, Anywhere in between, you're probably going to be paying attention to other stuff. Do, do, do. I'll just stand there and hold it and see if anybody even notices. <laughs> I think a lack of bass they'd probably notice. <laughs> it's like, is that even making sound? What is she doing up there? But yeah, <laughs> that's daunting to me, though, I have to say, because like, you got to focus on what you're doing there and stand in front of people. Oh, it's, it's probably oh, like speaking. I mean, well, maybe not like speaking, but I mean, I get into, you kind of have to be in the zone. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of have to be on autopilot. When I play, I can't think about too think about it too much. I mean, obviously, I have to know what song we're playing and what parts to play and all, but I can't overthink it while I'm up there. And maybe you're like that with a talk. Once you get started talking about the subject at hand, you're well versed in it and you're familiar with the the slides and that kind of stuff, and it just kind of rolls out. But I don't know. It seems yeah. Yeah. it seems scary to me to do that. Well, I, I can't speak for the way. Jamie approaches these but for me I kind of do approach it like like stand up where my slides are sort of like they're like cue cards and I've got bits in my head and I just I can look at the slide I, I can glance at the notes and I already know the bit I already know the routine and so it's all kind of modular yeah I actually I I prefer um I prefer not having slides when given the option most oh, I would I would always take that yeah yep. I do. I have to say like that. I like the free form. I like more of a dialogue-y um, situation than, than just like yapping at people. But yeah, the slides thing is, it works well for, you know, conferences that are larger and stuff. So it's, it's cool. People that way. like having stuff to look at. It's true. You know, the first few talks that I did, I just put random photos like from my <laughs> like you know pictures of french toast and scenery and <laughs> things like that like cuz i was like well maybe if i'm really bad they'll at least have something interesting to look at was my thought and um anyway yeah maybe i should go back to that it seems i think what i'll do for my next conference talk is no slides well one slide but it's just a video it's like a 45 minute video of like 9 inch nail style black and white uh stop motion of things dying and decaying <laughs> <laughs> You want you want slides? There you go. Here's something. Here's you something to look at. You can download my at. presentation from the website. Yeah, and that's that's often a thing too. Like I don't know about. Yeah, I don't mean to keep going off this road, but like they want your presentations like to share with people, and usually mine are just 
they're just the slide with one word. <laughs> you know, I don't have, I don't usually put like speaker notes in them and stuff. Um, I think one talk I have has speaker notes, but most of my talks don't have speaker notes and stuff. Like they're just a slide with a word and sometimes a little chicken scratched image. But yeah, out of context, it doesn't really mean anything. Exactly. Like they're useless, really, unless you were there. I love that you're a web, like I was so surprised when you said, you know, I mean, just I guess seeing you in that context, and I was like, whoa, the drummer of the Dead Milkman is also a web designer. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, I went to school back, um, I like to say BC before computers. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, when I graduated, uh, you know, I got, a, I had a couple of jobs at printing companies and, uh, you know, we did everything by hand back then and you know s- sent out the copy to the <laughs> typesetter and you'd come back on this photo paper and you'd use an exacto knife and cut it apart and you'd stick it on with wax down on a piece of cardboard and crazy stuff and then of course the band happened and then when that was you know done for a while computers had taken over the world and so i had to learn a whole bunch of new stuff it was kind of interesting it is a amazing is that a fun transition like suddenly there's photoshop you get to learn it or is it more like uh <laughs> holy shit there's all this stuff now uh i mean i enjoyed learning it uh you know i didn't have a problem learning it it was it took me a couple years until i could got, get my first uh web job but uh um you know i didn't have a trouble transitioning but uh definitely a, a steep learning curve i took a couple of classes yeah, like it, it is. I don't know. Like I didn't. I went to school for metal sculpture. Like that's what my undergrad degree was in. <laughs> I don't know why that always makes me laugh. It, it's it is. It's a funny thing, sort of like. And I don't know. I majored in underwater basket weaving. <laughs> <laughs> metal sculpture. Yeah, but that was exactly the thing, right? Like it's as, about as useless as. Oh, I hope I don't offend anybody by saying that's useless. But you know, I get out of school and I'm like, it's okay. Well. Nobody who does that for a living can afford to buy a device that can play a podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you get out of school and I was like, well, now I have to figure out how to make a living. <laughs> like, like, what am I going to do with metal sculpture? Really um, should have gone for that art history degree. You know, actually, yeah. that was the minor, interestingly. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No, that was, that, was, that was hilarious, actually. I didn't, even, perfect. I didn't even know. No, it's, that, and that was because I like writing, you know? Um, yeah, I switched <laughs> to, from... Two, two entire uh, groups yeah. of people out there that we've just alienated. Completely alienated. It's okay. I, I'm with you there. I'm just, yeah, anyway. So, yeah, figuring out how to make a living and teaching myself how to make websites, basically, from the books and things that were out there yep. and dissecting other people's websites in 1998 and, uh, yeah, the phenomenon of the in- animated GIF. GIF? <laughs> yes. It's so interesting to me, the idea of transitioning from not necessarily one career to another, but even just context shifting. If you've got multiple things going on, it tends to be a lot of us have hobbies that are attached to the things that we do for a living. When I say us, I mean like tech people. It tends to be that like we all read the same blogs or maybe like we're all into video games, but that's still kind of a technology thing. But like so, something as as far divorced from making computer stuff as music is like that kind of context shift. It's like, it's, it's a totally different part of your brain. It's, it's, well, it's funny you say that because I think, uh, there are a fair number of musicians that I know who do tech work and including the other members of my band. Really? Yeah. Um, uh, Rod, Rodney, the singer works for an investment firm as a change management officer and, what could be more punk rock than that? Uh, yeah, really. Awesome. He wears a, he wears a suit and tie to work, and I was oh, like, wow. oh, 
it's hilarious. And, I love uh, that that's like <laughs> such a crazy concept for all of us. We're like, whoa, it's where's It's quite the an suit? image. <laughs> so you say work from home web design. I'm like, okay, I'm on board. Yep. Yeah. He's, in a, he's in a suit and goes to an office. Like, I can't, I can't take no. this. Anymore. Yeah, my mind breaks. I used to do that. but um, And Joe also does web work from home. And uh, Dan, the, the bass player, works for an AV company, and they do uh, live sound and, and that kind of stuff. Oh, very cool. So it's technology-related, but... It's like in your in your life, your non work professional whatever life does does the transition between those things affect things dramatically for you? How, how do you mean? I mean, like the context of uh, being in one place for like being at home, like working from home for large uh, swaths of time, versus when you're you're going out to playing uh, shows or when you're spending more time rehearsing do you find that there's like a any kind of social or, or or interpersonal disconnect that has to happen um no it's just maybe because i've been doing it for so long uh with the same people maybe i don't know yeah. it doesn't feel it doesn't feel alien or strange to me um actually the 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 working from home business has has only become more prevalent within the last like six months or so. So, um, but it's fine. I mean, there's an area in my house that, uh, you know, I, I, we call it the office and I, I work in here, but it's also, <laughs> it also has my music stuff in it. So that is a, you know, distraction I have to avoid. So when you say we call it the office, yeah, <laughs> it's the designated space for, for working and playing music. Yep. It's I like that's all in one. I have a, a space also designated. I think it's called the office, but I barely work in there. It's like it's the paper holder room. It holds my papers and documents. <laughs> the records and archives. <laughs> yes, it's the archives room. But yeah, not. I live in Manhattan, so I have a chair. <laughs> That's awesome. That is my office. Yeah, the office inside chair. of a closet. Right. It's it's in the living room, but it's it's the special. I sit here to work chair. Yeah. If I'm not working, I go sit on the couch. <laughs> I work from the couch most of the time. You know, I'm I'm half joking as I say this, but I'm realizing that's absolutely true. If I'm <laughs> if I'm doing anything work related, I sit in this chair, but otherwise I'm on the couch. It's like Archie Bunker's chair or whatever. Don't sit in my chair. Got <laughs> my spot. Oh man. So you have you you mentioned when we were out in DC. You've been married for 25 years. Is that okay to mention on the on the podcast? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we just celebrated years. 25th anniversary. That's wow, congratulations. Thanks. Awesome. A, it seems to be a, a record these days. Happily married, I'm assuming. Or, yes. Okay. It's all good. Digging for dirt here. Because no. otherwise, we just brought up a whole awkward thing. Oh. No, no. Yeah, happily. I have to imagine if you get to 25, like things have gone pretty well. Like, or you're just super know. complacent. <laughs> no, no, things have been good. Things are good. Things are good. I can't imagine doing anything for 25 years. <laughs> I know. You know, it's funny. It's like work stuff even. You know, when you think about like jobs or places that you've worked or I don't know if it's just our generation or, and I know there's a bit of a gap between me and you, Dave, but not much. Um, you said that like you're 60. I'm not Something. that old, but there's a few years, but you know, I don't know. It seems like a pretty, pretty common thing, right? Like people only stick around for a couple of years and they move on to something else. And it's not dang. like it used to be Yeah, when, when people would get jobs and, and stick there for Lifers. 30, 40 years. Yeah. No, it doesn't happen anymore. There's it's, no gold watches. No, <laughs> there's no, no gold watch in this for you. You can wear a suit, go to an <laughs> office, but no watch. 
Yeah, I, I'm seeing it more and more in New York. These these people who walk down the street wearing their suits and they're clearly like on their way to a thing. And I just think to myself, they have to have a suit for every day of the week. Yeah, that seems like a real pain in the butt. That's like that. That's a whole lot of dry cleaning. <laughs> Looking nice on purpose every single. You said you used to wear a suit. Did you say that, Dean? Uh, yeah, for a office? short time, I had to wear a tie at least. Ah. Um, but uh, yeah, thankfully, I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, me too. I never had to do that actually. But now, is there uh, like the the joking about uh, Ronnie doing the the suit thing for work? Is there is there any part of you like that 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 punk rock ethos thing or like how? At a certain point, do you do you look back at that and and laugh, or do you like how much of that do you still hold on to? You mean the the sort of the punk rock? Uh, yeah, the attitude. The attitude. Well, I guess uh, the the attitude, the the attitude, the ethos, the. Uh, I'm not exactly well, what the word is that. yeah, I mean the thing the thing about it is, I mean we 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 stopped for a long time and we started up again in 2008. And you know, there's certain things that are still around that were we were railing against back in the '80s that are still happening now. Um, you know, back when we were at the height of our popularity, you know, uh, Reagan was in office, and uh, you know, guy. we had we wrote songs about gun control back then, and that's still a topic. And <laughs> abortion. Not solve that. I mean, all of this stuff is it, it's cyclical, I guess. It's just what goes around comes around, and some of the the same topics are still uh, viable targets and so i think that's you know that's been useful f- for us and then the other aspect is you know back when we got started the whole punk thing was you know do it yourself ethos kind of thing and uh you know it's back to that now the, with the with the internet at least i'm finding that you know you know i've run our own website for years and we're we're putting this you know we're putting these records out over the last few years and this new one coming out we're doing it ourselves we're not signed to a label um so, so you're saying it, like it it resolves like it all kind of it's all the same attitude it's all the same drive uh, yeah i think so i mean it hasn't i, I think there the 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 issues are still there and the um if anything it's easier for us to do things ourselves than it was back then so it's kind of cool interesting yeah it's it is a lot of work though. I was talking to somebody about. I mean, I, I've been in the throes of de, you know designing vinyl record covers and digipack covers and and we're you know getting all the recordings organized for release and so forth. I mean, it's it's a lot of work. Um, it could be a full time job, um, but for sure. uh, it doesn't pay <laughs> <laughs> when you're doing it for yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. Man, no, that's that's cool stuff though. Speaking of the, uh, the the YouTube uh, video difference, there was there's a video, a mental floss video that came out today where they, it was like a, some some number of bizarre jobs that people would have, and the one that stuck out in my head was <laughs> there there are people who get paid to put on hazmat suits and like dive into chemical waste. No, that's weird. Well, yeah, <laughs> like no, I... that doesn't. What's the most b- bizarre job you've ever had, Dean? Like, has it always been music and web stuff or? Uh, has there other been any other odd jobs in there it's mostly been uh design work and music stuff when when the band did stop in the mid 90s uh for a couple of years i managed a coffee shop Whoa. Huh. see that's um, cool wait 
Was it a Starbucks? <laughs> no, it was not. It was um, it was for it was the coffee shop inside of a Borders Books and Music. Oh, nice. oh. before it was and Starbucks. Well, I guess now. Well, Borders doesn't even Borders exist doesn't anymore. Exist. Barnes and Noble has the Starbucks. That's right. Yeah. Um, Shake your fist to the sky. You outlasted Borders. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. So I did that for like uh, two or three years. Uh, you know, I started as an employee and ended up being the manager. Um, but uh, so I have worked in food service. <laughs> sweet, sweet. What about you, Dave? Have we had that conversation? What is your most like odd job? Oddest job? Yeah. Like worst job, I'd say like working <laughs> working for eBay was terrible because it was a night gig and it was twelve hours a night, five nights in a row. It was just terrible. Weirdest job? Weirdest. I was a photographer for an adult internet online service for seeing penises and vaginas. <laughs> oh no. Our bass player, uh, uh, Dan, uh, for a while had a job here in Philly. I forget what the name of the company. It was a video, online video rental thing, and it was for adult movies, and he had to write little capsule <laughs> reviews of the movies. You know? And for whatever reason, he was put on, he was given the most vile collection of things. He only lasted there about two months. He said he just couldn't take it after yep. a while. Yeah. That's exactly what happened to me. I'm like, you know what? This isn't. Can't this do is, this. This is too too close to seeing how the sausage is made. You know, interesting. So only once, you know, I live in Las Vegas. When I was learning, when I used to do a lot of freelance web stuff back in the day, um, I had one company, they were an escort service, approach me to make a website for them. And I was hesitant, and then I ended up taking was it on. Was it called on. the Petting Zoo? It was the Petting Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, I ended up taking it on, and then I ended up, like, after I don't know a month or two of work on it um, and it wasn't super you know like graphic imagery or anything but you know very suggestive stuff but the thing that drove me the craziest was the grammar like they wanted they insisted on using terrible grammar and ah oh, that was the thing that I couldn't stand so I had to that was the offensive that part. was the offensive part <laughs> that was the thing that made me ha I can't do this I can't work with you guys because the, the images weren't too too bad but like it, it, yeah it drove me crazy drove me crazy why couldn't they use good grammar <laughs> why <laughs> it's kind of like that thing where stoner culture has affected the way we think of marijuana i think maybe porn culture has affected the way we think of the adult industry yeah very very possibly like if it were people making high quality pornography well and what does that mean i guess like with with good grammar <laughs> you know what I, mean? I don't know i guess there's in in regular filmmaking you've got You've got your Wes Andersons and your Michael Bays. Sure, sure. The different ends of the spectrum. Couldn't Artistry. the same be true in pornography? I'm sure it could. Where's the Wes Anderson of porn? <laughs> <laughs> could that be your next job, Dave? <laughs> survey. You need to watch a lot of films to, to figure it out. Oh, man. Uh, see, like, yeah, that's the thing. Because guys like Wes Anderson, uh, like uh, Quentin Tarantino, those guys just do nothing but watch movies. It didn't, in order to be that for porn, you would have to watch a lot of pornography. Mm. Or just a lot of movies and then, and then have people having sex in those regular movies. I guess so. That guy weird. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Somehow it always that. goes there, huh? Yeah, I, I didn't mean for that to happen. Odd jobs, odd jobs. I do want to clarify, I only did that job for a very brief period of time. <laughs> that was, uh, it was horrifying. It is fascinating, the jobs we do, I don't know, in life. I, it, I think it was like, it would have been better 
to have the job where you have to euthanize kittens or something. Ugh. Uh, that's the word that no, that's terrible. Almost. It would almost be better to have because at least then like, I don't know. <laughs> it would be better. I'm not sure where you're going. That went I really know, dark there I'm for lost. Well, well, <laughs> that's terrible. The comparison, I'm going to have to use a different analogy to get where I was trying to go, which is uh, if, if you work at the sausage factory, you don't go home wanting to eat sausage. It's not like you were going to go home and kill kittens anyway. Right. At least it's very different <laughs> from what you would prefer to be doing in your daily life. I hope. True. I hope. I don't, I don't know if that was a... What was your first job? <laughs> When, like when did you start working? You me? Yeah, you you and Dave, both uh, of you guys. Well, my first job I think was in high school, and I got a job as a janitor. For for like a school or? A... Yeah, working at the school. My parents were teachers, so I had an in there. Oh, Ooh. nice, nice. <laughs> Nepotism, you yeah. know, guy. Yeah, <laughs> he was your dad. Yep. Well, but you don't want to go. To, I don't know. I don't know if anybody wants to go to high school where their dad teaches. Oh, that sounds like hell. It wasn't too bad, but I went to high great. school in a small town, so like everybody's, the, yeah, a lot of kids. I mean, my graduating class was thirty-eight students. The good percentage, small. good percentage of kids um, had parents teaching at the school. Was that like what percentage of <laughs> those kids really dropped out? Like thirty-eight out of how many applicants or Appli attempts? Applicants. I mean, how many people tried to finish high school? Was it like there was a thousand kids in your that would have been your graduating class? Only thirty-eight made it. Oh no, no! Give, give I don't think here. there were only like thirty-eight kids. I, I mean, like my town well, had, had like a thousand people in it. Um, One kid drops out; it totally throws off. The yeah, numbers. it really does. And like, so like deaths, for example, are very, very apparent. Like you know, I mean, in a giant school, you may or may not know the kid that that you know passes away but like in a small school everybody knows everybody very very closely so it's like yeah when you lose one it's a big deal a big deal so yeah I don't know um yeah everybody was related like it seemed I was not related to very many people in our town and there were a few you know but there there were a lot of people that were related um and they seemed to you know yeah be the favorites and stuff like were there a lot of deaths in that school uh yeah well I mean I guess Again, because of the size, maybe you're just more aware, but like, you know, yeah, like it seemed like, I don't know, from my class. Um, farming accidents? Yeah, farming <laughs> accidents. <laughs> I love it. Car accidents, that one guy, you know, suicides. There was um, a lot of, yeah, car accidents, actually. A couple drug overdoses. Um, yeah. Motorcycle accidents. I think there were about f 500 people in my graduating class. Wow. See, that's huge to me. That's like the size of my school. How many of them died? <laughs> <laughs> I remember one or two during the, the time I was there. But How yeah. many died? I can only think of one for me. I, I guess that was technically middle school. I just remember it was uh, the announcement came over the PA one day. And then I heard I got the the fill in of the story from other people who knew. So there was like the the girls in the class were all crying and, and all mm. of that. And uh, there's a there's a kid at the school, and I don't remember if this was his name, but it was like something like this: uh, uh, Guy Smiley. Guy Smiley from <laughs> Sesame Street. Right, right, right. But like this was his his name. Oh, like, not a joke. That was his actual name. <laughs> oh, now uh, I feel bad. It it may have been slightly off from that, but it was something like right along those lines. And apparently what happened was uh, he didn't actually die, or he probably did later, but he uh, he killed his parents and oh. then shot himself in the head and was alive in a coma. 
I remember hearing this news and all I could think of was like, is that his real name? <laughs> oh, That's bizarre. You, that almost, bizarre. you almost can't blame the guy. For being Guy Smiley? No, for, for being mad at his parents. <laughs> <laughs> you had no that, idea what you were in for today, did you, Dean? <laughs> death, porn, and music. The, the, the two deaths I remember, one was a, 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 an athlete, a pretty good kid, and uh, I forget how he died. Um, the other one, though, I remember he, I was, he was a classmate of mine in my uh, geometry class, uh, and real nice kid, and it was between, I guess, my freshman and sophomore year or whatever. I think he was riding his bike, and he got hit by a car and, and got killed. Hmm. Um, so strange what we remember from high school. I know, I know. Remember what do you remember? What else do you? What are the good things? We should think of uh, some good things. The good, the cool thing that at my high school was we had a TV station at the high school. Oh, we had a radio station at our tiny school. I mean, I would have loved something like that. That's cool. Did we you had, participate this, in it? Yeah, definitely because. Um, this was back in the day when when cable TV was just starting out, and oh, nice. part of the uh, part of the requirements, at least back in that time, was there had to be public access to the airwaves. And so, for whatever reason, I guess because we were building, we we built a brand new high school while I was going there, and they incorporated a television studio into the into the school, and then they developed a whole set of uh, curriculum around that. And uh, in fact. Um, my mother was the graphic artist for the school district, and she had her office there. And when I got to high school, then um, I remembered the summer before my freshman year, they offered like a two-week, you know, learn how to make your own TV shows kind of, you know, summer class or whatever. And I took that with a couple of friends of mine. And, you know, we were we were there every spare minute that we could get down to the that way they called it the media center oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. and they had all you know they had all like the films and the film strips but that's where the the tv studio was so we you know we would operate the cameras we did our own election coverage and uh all kinds of stuff like that that's pretty awesome actually yeah it was it was awesome i was never cool enough to be part of that thing I guess we did have like the in-school tv like the thing they would they broadcast like closed circuit style right uh but we didn't i mean it was it, it was barely anything it was like a like a camcorder and, <laughs> and uh, maybe like a, a switch box or something yeah, the hilarious have... thing i remember is is that you know we were allowed to borrow some of the equipment and they had these portable cameras that you could take home and do stuff with and so my friends and i did we would make these goofy videos but of course they were the size of like a giant suitcase <laughs> and you have to you know strap on a uh, huge battery pack and and the the video was recorded on these giant reel-to-reel uh, oh, tapes uh you know it's just funny to think about now it is it's funny to think about how easily we can do this stuff i mean yeah, you compare it to today when it's like, oh, hang on, let me grab my phone out of my pocket and exactly. we'll make a movie. And it's, it's infinitely better quality. Yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. Yeah, you can, you can now, you've, you have more uh, processing and editing power in your pocket than Spielberg had making Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. That might not technically be true, but like, so, you know, it's... it's Facts from Dave. Somebody out there is going to correct me if they're pushing their glasses up. Well, actually, he had a, I don't know. <laughs> but my my point being that we we have all these great tools and, and it's uh, 
it goes back to the do-it-yourself thing. If, if, if you have that much processing power in your pocket and the thing that you'd like to do is make movies, there's no barrier to entry for kids in high school today who would like to make movies. Right, right. It's true. All the yeah, things that great. they want to do. If you want to make music, just get a guitar and plug it into your laptop and now you have an entire recording studio. It's true. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's amazing to see what kids do, too, with their time, with the technology and given, I don't know, at least with my own. It, it's fascinating to me to see what they do, what they experiment with. My son's really into music, too, now. What is um, your... Is, how old is your son? He's uh, 15. He'll be 16 in October. I'm going to have to start teaching him how to drive. I'm not yeah. looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What does he play? Um, he started out playing drums, uh, but he's also picked up the guitar, and he takes marimba lessons, nice. and he started piano lessons, and he's in the school band, so he's definitely more musical than I am. Um, but it's great, you know, it's great that he's kind of picked up on that. And uh, That is, that's awesome. It's good to see that. It's always a good but he's doing things with his iPad and iPhone, you know, making music and writing sheet music and that kind of stuff, so it's cool. See, it is. It is so cool. I don't know to me when they actually like, I don't know. I, I get inspired watching the creative things that they do. I, I don't know. I think it's fantastic. I still feel like the kid. I know. <laughs> I know. Me too a lot, which I think I mean, is good. If I'm on a long flight and I forgot to put movies or something on my iPad, I'll just break out GarageBand and I get the little uh, the, the keyboard thing and I'll get like the drum. Like I just start recording, making songs up right then. That's the way and, to do it. Yep. And the, cool. the thought that I could be on a seven-hour flight over the Atlantic with no Wi-Fi, nothing to do, and my worst-case scenario <laughs> is I'll take out my magical flat computer touchscreen thing and start writing songs. Start making music. How amazing is it? We live in the future. <laughs> I love it. You know, not that long ago, people would be sitting around talking about, and these transistor radios. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that was the future. No, it is amazing. We live in an amazing time. I, I, These wax cylinders are going to change the world. <laughs> uh, Our new record's coming out on wax cylinder. Right on. Oh, really? No, not really. <laughs> it's so I'd awesome. Be so hipster. Uh, I think I, re I remember reading something online. I forget the guy's name. He was in a band that I, I knew of, um, but I think he was trying to make... Uh, recording of his music like on every you know format that has ever existed or whatever that's pretty awesome and wax cylinder being one of them <laughs> and then the eight track tape you know, oh yeah move up into the 70s and 80s that's so awesome did you see the thing about uh wood glue with with cleaning records what no i have not is? what's that <laughs> uh, it, it has to do with um different different chemical different materials don't bond well together and so with uh like plastics you would fuse together by like melting and combining and with like things like wood or something you, uh, it's it's a whole industrial design uh, like there's materials that can connect them as materials where you have to do weird stuff to fuse them and uh because of the the way wood glue is it's designed to bond to wood it pretty much just ignores plastic so what you do is you spin the record and you just pour out wood glue onto the top of it and then you peel the the wood glue right off and it does like it just it doesn't care about the vinyl at all, but it takes all the like, dust and debris off with it. Oh, okay. Sweet. So you're cleaning cleaning the record, right? If you wanna if you wanna clean your records, you use uh, apparently hundreds of dollars worth of wood glue, I'd imagine. 
So here, here's a question. I mean, do either of you have a record player and play yes. and buy vinyl? <laughs> yeah. So I have a record player. I own some vinyl. I've I let my kids. I do uh, record store field trips once in a while. Let them pick it out, and yeah. So that's that's kind of my extent of vinyl. I don't know what I would do with a record. <laughs> Make it go I mean, around. I, I guess I own one, like a, an early Nirvana EP or something. It's like a single, a valuable collector's item. Uh, but I don't have a record player. <laughs> that record has never once been played. Wow. I bought a record player uh, about, I guess, two years ago. I hadn't had one in probably easy 15 or 20 years, um, only because we started to put out final records again. And I figured, well, I better have something to play them on just to make sure they work. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm still skeptical of the return of, at least in the music business, people are talking about the return of vinyl. And we are doing a vinyl uh, component of the release that we're putting out, but it's only like 500 copies. Um, you know, I still think it's probably a small niche market, and I don't know, you know, why the attraction to it is. I mean, do do you folks still have CDs? Even actually, I have some. I don't think I own a single device that'll play them though. Yeah, that's the that's something that um, all my CD like yeah I lost all mine in the divorce. <laughs> <laughs> so, all my CDs are gone, but um, but I have them all in MP3 format. So that's yeah. illegal, Jamie. Well, they no, were my not. CDs. I bought your them. personal use. Yeah, but you no longer have the CDs. <laughs> well, they're still in the family, I suppose. If anybody I, out there from the RIAA <laughs> is listening, um, yeah, I'm not sharing them. Anyway, I still have a wall of CDs. I think I have probably close to. I don't know, seven or eight hundred CDs. Yeah, that's that's about where we were when yeah when we had CDs. But you know, my my method now is I I still buy stuff on CD sometimes, um, but the first thing I do is I go to the computer and I burn it to MP3, so it's in my yeah in my computer. I'll buy a CD if I'm at a show and I like the band and I just want to have a thing. See, right. I yeah, I do it for the girls because I. I love that experience so and, and i learned that there's a record store in town called zia which is my youngest daughter's name so we thought it, it's fantastic to go there once in a while they give her all this swag with her name on it it's the only place yeah. she'll ever find with her name on it but um but yeah it's like a cool experience you know to let them go to the store pick out some music they love the aquabats so like they you love to pick out like aquabats stuff and <laughs> um, so that's a it's a fun experience for us to do our little record store field trip and pick out like a record and a CD or or whatever. But yeah, I don't. Um, I do have a, a CD player in my car. It's like it's still built into the car. But yeah. Okay, I have one too. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't really use it though. Wait, you, did you say a record player in your car? No, a CD player. Oh, that, that would be so awesome. Way though. more sense. <laughs> hey, they they used to make cars with record player. Well, there was at least one. How does that work? Um, back yeah. in the 50s or 60s. It folded down from the dash. A friend of mine wrote an article uh, and posted it online years ago, and I think it got picked up by somebody else. But I forget which manufacturer in Detroit made it. Uh, at least for a short time, they made the option to get a, a record player put in your car in the dashboard. <laughs> That's so cool. It's like the stupidest fucking thing you can do. <laughs> you yes. have to drive It really was on like slow. a bed of springs or something that would <laughs> prevent it from skipping. Yeah, it That's sounds crazy. awesome. 30 seconds skip protection on your record player. Yeah. I think it's great. Oh. Wow. 
I just think back to the. It, it's weird. It's almost like it's uh, it's cyclical because there was records that could skip, and then we went to tape technology, no skipping, and then we go back to CDs. Now you can skip again. <laughs> yeah. And finally, finally, we've hit the point where there's you no longer worry about skipping, and and hopefully that's just a thing of the past. There's no more skipping from here on out. <laughs> A record player. I'm just trying to imagine who buys that. Who thought that was a good idea? I just placed placed a link in the window there. Of our, I know that that's not great for the call, but um, but there's a link that in the Skype window with an image of the record player. Oh, I got I got to see this. Click on. Oh yeah, there it is, right there. Yep. How awesome is that? We might have to use that in the show notes there, Dave. I don't. <laughs> I don't know how to. Oh, fucking Skype. <laughs> I have to click on a thing, and then I got to click this other thing just to get to the chat area. Oh, right, right. Wow, you know it doesn't. It really doesn't look that far off from a CD player in a car, right? It's just kind of a thing that holds the record, and then it looks like it must suspend it inside the little case there. Yeah, the only place forty five. So those are my first uh, music playing machine when I was like five, and I got my own room. And my mom set me up with a record player in there, and I used to buy forty fives at the like whatever the the store was. I don't know if we went to Kmart or what, but um, they had like the forty five section. And I my one of my first ones was Joan Jett's "I Love Rock and Roll." That's awesome. Like my still to this day one of my heroes. But yeah, those are my memories of records. Really, oh, I have the Grease soundtrack. Motion. <laughs> motion picture soundtrack still have that from my childhood days. i never really bought records uh i used to get uh the, i did have a couple of records i guess my uncle used to give me like i remember getting a, a beatles record or two from him on my birthday when i was younger but um for some reason i i just i got into cassette tapes and i i still have them downstairs in a box somewhere in the basement but i have boxes and boxes of cassette tapes do you remember your first cassette tape uh, I no, I don't. I actually. remember my first CD, but I don't remember my first cassette tape. I'm trying to remember what my first cassette tape. It was either Quiet Riot or Billy mm. Idol. <laughs> <laughs> Mine, I'm sure, was like Ninja Turtles or something like that. My first eight track. <clears throat> I got two eight tracks at the same time, so I had an, a portable eight track player between my first cassette player and my record player. Um, my brother had gotten a new portable cassette player, so he gave me his portable eight track player and i got two eight track tapes i got sean cassidy and sesame oh. street disco awesome was it one of those <laughs> tnt uh eight track players you know what i'm talking about oh, i don't know what you're talking about i know it had a shoulder strap and it looked almost like uh one of those old phones from the military um that you see in the old movies but like okay it had a shoulder <laughs> strap and it was a big square like kind of flat box Great. there was one that kind of looked like a like a TNT, you know, like a dynamite oh, box or whatever. It's okay. like a red red cube, and it had like a handle on the top that came out. That's uh, awesome. Um, I don't, I, I, I'm not really clear why, because eight tracks are just cassettes, to, like in a different format, right? Like why, why the change? Why the form factor change? Well, I, I don't know the Probably. true answer to that. I mean, the, the disadvantage of eight tracks, of course, was the you know you'd have the big clunk between sections of the song. <laughs> yep. When it would switch. I didn't even know that. Yeah, you would play it for a while, and then it would chunk, and it would switch over to the next <laughs> yeah segment of the tape. You know, the next part of the tape. Um, so there would be some awkward transitions either in the middle of a song or between songs. 
I guess that that makes a fair bit of sense. I don't yeah. remember my first cassette. I do remember my first CD, which was at the. This was also the first time I paid for music that I intentionally wanted, <laughs> not just like somebody giving me a Ninja Turtles tape or Sesame Street or something. My very first CD was Michael Jackson's Dangerous. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Uh-huh. For a long time, I would have kept that to myself. <laughs> like that was not something that I was proud of <laughs> my teenage years. Oh. But as an adult, I look back, that was a pretty solid first CD. Seriously, it's not a bad thing at all. I, I, had, I got Sesame Street Disco under my belt. I don't know what to say about that one. But, you know, I was little. I, w- I can say my very first concert ever was, uh, was absolutely Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's pretty wow. cool. So, on ice? <laughs> <laughs> no, they did this weird thing in the uh, the early 90s where the, I guess the premise was the Ninja Turtles were, they wanted to, to promote non-violence, like resolving your conflict without violence. And so they <laughs> they grabbed guitars and, and stuff and they went on tour as a rock band and they put out, they put out a record and, and everything. And it was a huge deal. Who knew? I didn't know. Uh, millions of screaming <laughs> children knew. <laughs> When the Milkman started uh, in the early 80s, we used to home, make homemade cassette tapes to sell at shows. And But I remember being very, very excited when our first record came out. You know, it was a, a CDs hadn't come on uh, the mainstream yet, and so it was a 12-inch vinyl record. And, and I guess it was released on cassette, too. That was pretty exciting for me. That is. That's awesome. That's a whole different kind of first, having a first first record or first tape <laughs> experience the first the first time i ever heard myself recorded this was a nice thing about tapes versus cds is that you could you could record things onto a tape yourself and as a kid i must have been seven or eight i was fascinated by this and i i had this little tape player thing with a microphone on it and i recorded myself talking and when i played it back it didn't sound anything like me and it freaked me the fuck out like Which- why why does why isn't this me? It does yeah. sound weird for sure to to me even still to hear my own voice like like even on this show, you know. I don't think it sounds like me to me. I've edited myself in podcasts for so long that I I don't hear the difference anymore. You're immune to it now. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've desensitized. It's it's a they call it immersion therapy. <laughs> I think it's still a little bit weird for me to hear my voice on tape. Yeah. I I don't do much singing or anything, so it's pretty trippy for me too for sure yeah well now we live in the age of of all this technology if i don't like the way i sound i'll just change it (laughs) right all these effects at your computerized effects at your disposal yeah people listen to this show and they they think i sound like this actually my speaking voice is much closer to that of uh, gilbert gottfried (laughs) (laughs) i think i need to figure out a way to make myself sound taller because i got that comment about my height again just just in the last two weeks do you want me to add some bass to your, your <laughs> add channel? Add some bassiness. I'll have to take up smoking. So I sound. My sister has like the deeper version of our. But we have a similar voice, but she has like the deeper voice, like that. And um, yeah, I keep. I'm wondering if I should practice talking lower or something. I don't know. Does that give you height, volume, depth of volume? Um. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how. What. What. What that. Um. Where that comment comes. I mean. You're always you're taller than you sound. That's the second time I've had that comment. I could guess. I don't know you're if like it's like a tiny little kid voice or something. No, I think maybe you just sound like you're um not timid. Timid is the wrong word, but you sound very deferential. That's a good word, Dave. 
a good word. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm really glad I was able to pull that out of my ass. So I didn't <laughs> insult you. It's okay. We've covered the insults on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I see you've posted the image of the uh, player I was talking about. Yes, yes. The TNT player is now yep, that's in it. the... Uh, oh, little, I got to check this out. Another show notes item. It really does look like a TNT thing. <laughs> it does, right? Like that's pretty cool. I didn't seen that one before. I know I've never had one, but I think the handle, if you pushed it down, might be a way to like move to the next track or whatever. <laughs> that's so awesome. <laughs> oh, I love it. Panasonic eight track player. I wonder if that big Deep. four that we see on the front, if that's the track that's playing. Track oh, question. Oh, must be. Just the like the, the industrial design of this thing is fascinating. It's pretty pretty fantastic, really. Like why would you put the the tape in the, the side. side. Do you call them tapes? Yeah, A-track tapes. Yeah, Why did you put it in the side? It's a good question. I don't it have an like answer. you'd want to put that on the top. Yeah, that's where I swore that the one that I had, that you input the tape on the top. But I can't. I was kind of going through the Google images here, and I don't see one where the tape inputs on the top. So I don't know. Maybe I was, um, I've lost my mind in some capacity. But If you take the Panasonic thing off the front here and you remove the the, the tape itself from the equation. This is a product that could be sold today, like with a little dock on the top yes. for you to stick your iPhone in. Seriously, mm -hmm. it's speaker. pretty modern looking. Remarkably so. New product. Well, I know what I'm working on later. I think we got. I think we got. I think a little we over. do, and I actually need to go pick up my offspring from summer camp, so I should probably wrap this up. Yeah, I need to. I have to go pick up uh, a burrito. <laughs> okay, that's what I had for lunch today. <laughs> I had tacos for dinner. All right. Whoa, we got a whole thing going on here. Who knew? We had a Mexican feast together <laughs> apart. <laughs>